let's just pretend this morning that all of you in this room are Pharisees. You're all Pharisees. And your best Pharisee just quits. How do you feel? You a little angry? A little concerned? A little nauseous? Don't know what's to come? Yep, that's where we are today. Right? We're in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, and we're getting into the story of Saul, who eventually becomes Paul. Let me refer to a map real quick to show you where we're referring to. I, I kind of like drew it out. There, There's Israel. Do I need to... I don't know if you can see the, the, the outline of Israel on, on that, the, the top, but right where it starts to go northeast, that's the top of Israel, the Sea of Galilee is that little body of water that the road goes around. You know, the the Pharisees never went directly north because that was the Samaritan area and they never wanted to go through there. So there's no way that Paul is going to, Saul is going to go through Samaria. So he takes the Jordan River up the Sea of Galilee. He gets to that point where he basically heads northeast. That's Golan Heights. That's actually moving into Syria. We were in Golan Heights last April when uh, exactly the day before Iran started sending missiles over and Israel intercepted those missiles there at uh, Golan Heights. We were totally safe the whole time, trust me. Uh, But that is now Syria that is to the northeast. It's Lebanon that is directly north of Israel in today's modern world. And Damascus is still there. It's still there. And this is the road that we are talking about this morning that Saul took the road to Damascus. And we'll pick up in chapter 9, verse 1. Uh, It's interesting, Luke tells this story here in chapter 9, but he's so enthralled by it that he actually explains it again in chapters 22 and 26. So you're going to hear it three different times from Luke's perspective. But he says in verse 1, Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Remember, he was like a ravishing animal. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, to the way he might bring them in as prisoners to Jerusalem. Uh, I'll say this, the, the way Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's referred to as the way. And Luke, in the book of Acts, uses the way several times. I think some of you grew up in the 70s, and there was a, a, a bumper sticker that just said, what? One way, one way. There was the way. It was a campaign that went on for Christians. And so when he's referring to the way, he's really talking about the good news. But Saul is not going to call it the good news. Saul is 
totally opposed to what these Christians, the people that say Jesus is the way, what they believe is that he's the Messiah, and he's totally opposed to it. And so what has happened up to this point, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you realize that since Stephen delivered his message, he got stoned because of, and I'm not talking about like stone stoned, I'm talking about he literally got stoned with rocks and killed because of his message about Jesus. He got stoned, the church began to get persecuted, and they all began evacuating Jerusalem because this is where the Pharisees were, this is where Saul was, Saul being about 30 years old, being about 30 years old, and was like one of the star Pharisees. And he was persecuting the church, and so it caused them to scramble. They went down to Egypt, they went over to Jordan, they went up to Syria, they went to Lebanon, they went over to Greece, they went, they, they scattered. Literally, the, the church scattered. This is the people that believed in the way. And now there's this group in Damascus that's meeting up there. They believe that they could have had as many as six to eight synagogues that were meeting in this one city of Damascus. And everybody's talking about the followers of Jesus and how they've scattered, but there's this concentration in Damascus. So now Saul goes to the high priest in Jerusalem and says, hey, I want permission to go up there and arrest these people and bring them back to Jerusalem. Because you know what's going to happen when you bring them back to Jerusalem. They're probably going to be killed. It wasn't that Saul was wanting to kill him. He's just like wanting to stop this whole movement. We've got to stop this thing because I'm invested in this. I, 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 I've spent my whole life studying how to become a Pharisee. I am a Pharisee through and through. No one's going to change my mind. Nothing. I am loyal in fact, I'll show you how loyal I am is that I will go get them and bring them back so that they can be killed. Remember, we, he referred to himself as the chief of all sinners eventually. And so then we look. It's, it's, it's so great because you know what's about to happen here. You know what's about to happen. He is literally coming to a point of salvation and I would say at this point, he's pretty much dependent upon his own righteousness. That's what Pharisees have always done. It's always been about God's given us the law. How well can I obey the law? I know the law. I've memorized the law. I've obeyed the law. It's all based upon what I am able to do. And all of a sudden, he's getting ready to experience something that's going to have to do with somebody else's righteousness. It says in verse 3, as he traveled and he was nearing Damascus, you think about it for a second. How long did it take for him to get from Jerusalem to Damascus if they're traveling with a group of people? It probably took them several days. He's pretty juiced when he goes to the high priest and says, hey, I want to go to Damascus and get these people. Then maybe it could have taken a couple of weeks for them to get up there. But now they're pulling up to the gate. His adrenaline's flowing. They're pumped about what they're about to do. We're getting ready to go in here and, and kick some tail. It's almost game day. <laughs> 
says, as he traveled and he was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. What do we call that? If it flashes from heaven, we call that what? Lightning. <laughs> like lightning strikes. I was last Saturday, I was on my patio deck cleaning it and everything else and it began to rain and I heard thunder in the distance and I think I think I'm going to go in just for a minute and then all of a sudden just boom boom this double clap of thunder hit and I was thankful that I was inside at this point but it rumbled and rumbled and rumbled and rumbled so this flash of lightning hits around Saul and his team. He's got a team of people that are traveling with him from Jerusalem. And guess what it says? It says, falling to the ground. It literally knocked him off whatever he's riding. I don't know what he's riding, if he's riding a chariot, if he's riding a horse or what. But it says this light, this flash of light, this lightning knocked him to the ground. And literally all of his team. Says falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul. I don't think he said Saul, Saul. <laughs> I think there was a dramatic pause. Saul, why are you persecuting me? You see, you know that it's Jesus. I know that it's Jesus that's talking, but Saul doesn't know that it's Jesus. But here's the interesting thing. He says, "Why are you, I'm, I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting these people. But the fact that Jesus closely associates his disciples with him is a big deal. If you're doing it to the church, you're doing it to me, is what he's saying. And Saul says, who are you, Lord? <laughs> I mean, it's a voice from heaven. It's weird. He hears it. I believe that the, his men don't hear it. I think all they heard was the thunder. Because that happened back in John chapter 12 as well, is that God spoke and all they heard was the thunder. I'm assuming the same thing happened here. But he looks up and he's like, uh, Lord, he's not really knowing who this is, but out of respect, he drops the name Lord. And the voice says, I'm Jesus. I am Jesus. The one you are persecuting, he replied. <laughs> oh, think about it for a second. If that's you, I'm having to change my shorts about right then. Seriously, I'm laying on the ground and a voice from heaven says, I'm Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. Oh my, what have I done? What have I done? The, is, it, is it fear because it's Jesus, or is it fear because of what I've been doing? I'm pretty sure it was a little bit of both. And then I asked the question, this is all we've got. We've only got a few verses about Paul's conversion. When did his conversion actually take place? When did, when did Saul get to a point where he's like, okay, Jesus is real? 
Like he's literally going around saying, you believe that Jesus is the Messiah. You believe that he resurrected from the dead. I have no proof that he resurrected from the dead. He can't be the Messiah. And therefore, you guys are wrong. You're ruining what I believe. You're ruining the whole system here in Israel. I'm going to destroy you. And now all of a sudden, Jesus speaks to Saul directly. Why are you doing this to me? He says in verse 6, But get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. I, I, I believe at this point that Paul believed, that Saul believed. Why? Because he obeyed the voice. If if you were opposed to Jesus, if you didn't think he was the Messiah, I'd go in there blazing, taking people out. But at this point, Jesus literally says to him, here's what I need you to do. I need you to get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Alright, Saul came to a point of belief that here it is, the Hebrew of all Hebrews is now going to become an apostle to the Gentiles. The persecutor is now going to become the preacher. All, all because of that one exchange right there on the road to Damascus. The, that legalistic Pharisee would become the great proclaimer of the grace of God. Everything that you thought he was now all of a sudden just like that changed he changed his mind he repented right there on the road to damascus i mean up to this point he'd pretty much been the wild animal fighting against the shepherd's rods but now he's getting ready to become a vessel of honor he's getting ready to become the lord's tool at this point to preach the gospel in regions far beyond Jerusalem. <laughs> what a transformation. Uh, literally, that moment on the road to Damascus, Paul, Paul lost his religion. Hmm. Think about it for a second. He lost his religion. And he absolutely gained the righteousness of Christ. What he wants doing in his own strength, he was getting ready to learn how to do from somebody else's strength. I would assume that his salvation is a great encouragement to any sinner because if he is the chief of all sinners and he could be saved, then anybody could be saved. Verse 7, it says, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound, but seeing no one. At, at this point, you know, Paul in his letters, he says that I've seen Jesus. Jesus appeared to me. 
There's no question about it. It doesn't say when Jesus appeared to him, but I'm assuming if it's referring here that the men around him couldn't see him, then it's probably referring that Paul saw him at this point. Saul saw Jesus at this point. But he was the only one to hear Jesus. The rest of them just heard this noise. He heard, they heard this thunder. It says in verse 8, Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. He comes in on his high horse, gets knocked off his horse. Now he can't see anything. Watch this. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He comes in on his horse. Now he's having to be helped into the city. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. You think that he fasted. You know, he did, but was it a voluntary fast or was it in... I, he could not eat. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't do anything. His whole world had been turned upside down at that very moment. He was weak. This strong Pharisee comes into town and all of a sudden, in three days, he's whittled down to nothing. Verse 10, it says, There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. You've heard the name Ananias a few times. Ananias, the high priest. Uh, actually, it's... Uh, and then Ananias and Sapphira. And the Lord says in a vision to Ananias, Ananias! <laughs> he replies, Here I am, Lord. I'm right here. He, you realize that Ananias had to have been a Jew because they're the ones that were actually the ones believing in Jesus in this time. It hadn't gone to the Gentiles at this point. And he was a leader of the church of Damascus. Verse 11, it says, Get up and go to the street called Straight. Straight Street. I want to show you something right here. Look, if you go on Google right now, this is a map of Damascus. Can you see it? You can see it on the screen. It's a little red dot right here. is marking an orthodox... Arminian church that sits right there on Straight Street. Today, Straight Street is still there and it is a popular religious place to go. You, look, if you zoom in, it's got uh, Zaytun Church, Al Zaytona Church, Church St. Paul around it. It's got a mosque by it. It's got Jesus of Nazareth Church right here in Damascus. It's got takeaway pizza down here. <laughs> but if you literally go to Damascus today, you can be right there where Jesus told Ananias, this is where you're supposed to go. You're going to meet a dude right there. And some crazy things are going to happen. Watch, watch what he says right here. He says, the Lord said to him, he says, get up and go to the street called Straight to the house of Judas and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. <laughs> Ananias is like, his eyes just got real big right there when Jesus said, 
man from Tarsus named Saul. Uh, everybody knows that dude. He's the star quarterback for the Pharisees. Since he's praying there. Wait, Saul's here in Damascus? In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Oh, no. You're telling me that I have to go face Saul? He's here in Damascus? He's the one that kills people like me. <laughs> Why do I have to do that? Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard from many people about this man. How much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. So he's already gotten the news that Saul was coming to town. He knew that he had a document that said, the high priest said, arrest any Christian believers in Damascus and bring them back to... He knew. Now he has to go face him. His first thought is like, no way. Verse 15 it says, But the Lord said to him, Go. For this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. That verse right there is the summary of Paul's whole life. That is his whole life right there, that one verse. The one who was the church's most vehement persecutor would now be the one who would willingly accept persecution for the sake of his name, Jesus. This is the whole point in this narrative right here was this conversion of Saul. Now, hear this. It says, Paul, Saul, was chosen as an instrument as an instrument to make my name to the Gentiles. Take my name to the Gentiles, to kings, and to Israelites. He was literally going to be the one that spread the good news to the Gentiles all over the region. And there's a reason for that. But he was literally going to have the opportunity to stand before kings and tell them the good news. You realize this is the first reference in all the Scripture about taking the Gospel to the Gentiles. Gentiles have heard, Gentiles knew Jesus, but this is the first time it's referred to as taking the Gospel to the Gentiles. Verse 17, it says, Ananias went and he entered the house. What am I supposed to do? Is Jesus telling me what to do? He's, he's obedient. <laughs> have, you, have you ever walked into a place that you didn't want to go to? Literally, you ever had to do something that you didn't want to do? This is where Ananias was. Annas knew all about Saul and his history. Saul was a celebrity. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, <laughs> that's good. Saul's a mess. 
Everything that he believed had been turned upside down. He's a broken man. He's repented. He, he's got remorse for killing people for believing in Jesus. And he's in Judas's house, and he's for three days. He's weak. He's laying there. Can't eat. Can't. He's just praying. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. But this believer, this man, Ananias, comes into the house and literally lays his hands on Saul and says, "Brother Saul, I would have melted." He called me brother. I would assume that they'd want to kill me. But he called me a brother. It says, Brother Saul, you got to say that with a southern drawl. Brother Saul, <laughs> the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you are traveling, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. What? What? That same voice that spoke to you on the road told me to come here, lay hands on you, so that you could be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, at once, something like scales fell from his eyes. He could literally see things falling off of his eyes. And he regained his sight. All of a sudden he could see. So Ananias says, this is what I'm supposed to do. He goes and he says, this is what I'm supposed to do. And he does it and it happens. Then he got up and was baptized. That's all Luke says. He got up and he was <laughs> baptized. In other words, baptism is not what saved him. Baptism was saying, I identify with Jesus. That's my identity. He's literally saying, now, three days ago, I was a Pharisee. Now I'm a disciple of Jesus. Huh. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. So, what do you think actually energized Saul at this point? Was it Ananias? Was it the food? Or was it being filled with the Holy Spirit? Hmm. Now watch. It says, Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some time. He's hanging out with them. He's learning things. He, he, he's trying to unpack his bags, y'all. Have you ever tried to unpack your bags from what you've learned? Hello, you, you were pretty much taught to follow the law, right? Obey the law, most of you in this room. I was all my life. And then all of a sudden I realized that I have a Holy Spirit living inside of me that really wants to live my life for me. He wants, I can live this life out of the source of somebody else. Besides myself, it took me a while to unpack that. Saul's hanging out with the disciples trying to unpack his bags, trying to figure this one out. What is going on? 
Verse 20, it says, immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogue. See, he's the Son of God. <laughs> that happens quite a bit. I, 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 be, I believe that there's this, and Luke, you can uh, concur with me here on this, but typically when someone has walked under the law and is a legalist all their life, and then all of a sudden they hear the good news that the law wasn't given to us, it was given to the Jews, and that we have a Holy Spirit inside of us that... Little, all of a sudden, you get so excited, you just go out bashing everybody with the good news. And you're reckless about it. And then all of a sudden, you go, well, that's not working real well. And you figure out a little bit more about your identity, and you just wait for the Lord to do His work. Well, this was what Saul... Saul's all excited. Man, let me tell you about the Son of God. It's the only time Luke right here, refers to the Son of God. But Paul obviously refers to it many times in his letters. Verse 21, it says, All who heard him were astounded and said, Isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc for those who called on his name and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests? We know all about this guy. What's he doing now? He's He's flipped. Overnight, just like that. Watch what Paul says in Galatians chapter 1. It's interesting. Verse 15, it says, But when God, whom from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by His grace, like God knew all along when, when Saul was born that he was going to be the deliverer of grace. He knew that. God knew that. Saul didn't know that. It says, set me apart and call me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I could preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. He literally went away, came back to Damascus. It says, then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas, which is Peter, and I stayed with him 15 days, but I didn't see any other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. I declare in the sight of God, I'm not lying in what I write to you. In other words, I haven't asked anybody about this faith thing. I hung out with the disciples here for a few days, and then I went away to Arabia for three years. I went away. And if you know what happened is Jesus downloaded everything He could to Him in that three years. He didn't listen to any commentaries. He didn't listen to any other people. He just, it was Him and the Lord hanging out together for three years. I believe that probably happened between verse 21 and 22. 22, it says, But Saul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. They were totally confused. Who, what happened to this guy? And after many days had passed, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plot, so they were watching the gates day and night, intending to kill him. He's literally talking about Jesus. The Jews are getting mad. Their star quarterback is now playing for the other team. But his disciples took him by night and lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the wall. 
he was literally ushered into Damascus by his brothers, the Pharisees, as a weak person, and he was taken out in a basket at night. How humbling is that for Paul, Saul? We get to this last few verses here. It says, when he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Now, disciples would be those that were followers of Jesus. We're not talking about apostles. We're talking about disciples, learners. It says, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. You, you, you're on the other side. You can't be on our team since they did not believe that he was a disciple. He's coming in here and he's trying to finagle in here and then he's going to arrest us and he's going to have us killed. They didn't believe that Saul really was a follower of Jesus Christ. But then along comes this gentle soul named Barnabas in verse 27, the same one that was in Acts chapter 4. It says, Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul has seen the Lord, seen the Lord, on the road, and that he, the Lord had talked to him, and how in Damascus he had spoken back boldly in the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, Barnabas was Saul's encourager. He was the endorser of Saul. I, I believe him. I believe that he is a follower of Jesus. And that happened throughout Saul's ministry. Verse 28, it says, Saul was coming and going with them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Similar to Stephen. This is what Stephen was doing. He's in Jerusalem now, speaking against the Pharisees, saying, hey, I had it wrong. I had it totally wrong. He is the Messiah. Guess where that's going to get him? It says he conversed and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers found out they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Oh, now he's going back to his hometown Tarsus across the Mediterranean Sea. They had to get him out of there because they were literally trying to kill him. We want to kill Saul, who's a follower of Jesus. Now watch this. This is a big deal right here. How big of a deal was Saul before he was a believer in Jesus? It says, So the church throughout all Judea Galilee and Samaria had peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. How big of a deal was Saul? As soon as he stopped persecuting the church? As soon as he became a believer in Jesus Christ? The whole atmosphere in the region changed. He was a big deal. He was important. And just wait. He becomes even a greater deal. It's one of the reasons that you and I are sitting here today at Pinheads. Because he brings the good news, the gospel, to the Gentiles, which are you in this room. What he once taught, legalism, now he's teaching grace. Jesus died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again. He sent His Spirit to live inside of you. And now you're the church, the Holy Spirit living inside of you. That's a pretty big, big deal, you guys. Father, I pray that uh, as we wow, just kind of walk through Your Word, 
that it, it just makes sense to us that you would make your word come alive to us, that we can understand it, that we can uh, apply it, that we can figure out how much you truly love us, and that your spirit really does live inside of us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that converted Saul to Paul, is the same spirit that lives in each of us believers here in this room. That's amazing. Thanks for making us your church. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.